It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So that is really my desire. What I just prayed there is that the words would come off the page. Because it, it just, you know, it's not enough. I love the prayer room. I love what we do. I love to sit and worship him. I love to sit in the word. Um, but if all I do is have that here and it doesn't translate to where I live and where I walk, then that's not enough. It's just not enough. We need it to translate. So um, probably f- about a month ago, I just began to uh, have a fresh cry to hear the Lord, just to hear him. I was like, I just, I need to know your voice more. I, I long for those times of, of where we just share together. And um, so I spent a... It just seemed like it was my focus and it was things I was reading in the Word it just had to do with hearing him. And then um, Amy asked me uh, last week if I would teach tonight. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and I said, well, I got to pray. So, I, you know, it's been a dry season, but not a dead season. And it's been a tiring season. But I was like, I don't want to just teach to teach. You know, I, I want to hear the Lord. Uh, Lord, if you want to say something, then, then yes. And I came and took my little spot back there in the corner. And it was like just, you know, I just started writing. And I went, oh, yes. Texted Amy, yes, I will teach. <laughs> So um, what began to come to me was a scripture. I, again, um, tonight, I don't really, I mean, maybe there will be something new. I do expect Holy Spirit to teach us, and I, I'm expectant of the word coming off the page. Um, but I don't really feel like I have something that's going to wow us or be something new. It's just like how to work with what we have. Okay, so the scripture that came to me was Revelation 19, uh, starting with verse 7. And it says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the bride has come, and his bride has made herself ready. And it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And what I started, what started coming to me was about his bride has made herself ready. And the prepared bride, but then it like kind of backed up and I was like, but we need to live in, in preparing to be a bride. So I started just talking with the Lord about that, about living as his beloved. Like knowing it here, and knowing it when we're fellowshipping with each other and 
when we're singing and we're singing about his love and our your hearts are like they feel all alive you know but what happens when we go out there and some things go wrong or someone crosses us or circumstances cross us or we fail at something what happens like what is our awareness are we living as his beloved like what are we believing and what's guiding us and um I just long for more than words and more than theology. I'm like, write it on my heart. And as a young Christian, I used to, I used to hold my Bible up and say, you said new heart, new mind. That hasn't happened yet. I didn't ask for this. That was your covenant. And I'm asking you, I'm broken. I'm a mess. Would you come and do it? And was totally amazed when he began to do it. When he began to do it, just amazing. And so I'm looking at this going, okay, I, I want to live as a bride preparing. And I started thinking about when Bob and I got together. And, um, you know, everything related to the coming wedding. It didn't matter what it was. There was not a day that went by that I did not think about the wedding. And even if something wasn't related to the wedding, somehow I would make it relate to the wedding <laughs> because that was the alive reality. I was a bride, I was becoming a bride and I was living in preparation, moving towards that day and I was totally caught. So, um, just at the beginning of this, Danny, I know you know this, but the message of the bride is not just for women. It is for the church. It's for the church, and it has to do with union with God. So, so the first thing that that we that we need in living in preparation is to hear the invitation. Now, the whole church isn't hearing this yet, but it's going to. The church is going to be hearing. It's going to become the message before Jesus returns. Like the whole church will be cry, crying out, the spirit and the bride say, come. So it's going to be the whole identity of the church. Um, but we have to hear the invitation. And, you know, when, when I heard the invitation, I answered it. Um, so we need to pray first off, just that our eyes, or that our ears would hear, that our hearts would hear, that he's calling us to that, that this is our reality. This isn't something that's just like, oh, well, that's a really, that's kind of a neat little uh, analogy there. It's much more than an analogy. This is our reality, that we're called to be a bride. So we hear it, and then the, the Probably the hardest thing is to believe it. Not in here. We get it in here. But when, when we're out where our lives are happening, do we believe it? Now, it took me years and years and years to believe it. I, I thought that I was like a black sheep. I, I believed I was a sheep. 
but I felt like I was a black sheep. I felt like I, I couldn't get it right. I couldn't, you know, that I, you know, that other people could, could move in God, but I wouldn't be able to. And I felt like such a less than. And, um, but there, the Lord took me through some things where he began to have, it became very personal and it changed my life. I mean, I'm still getting hold of it, but it's believing it. And one way that, that we move into that is by personalizing it and speaking these things, saying, this is for me. This is for me. I'm the one you've chosen. I'm the one that he set his love on us and then responding to it and beginning to practically dig it out because he, he says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so if we seek him out in this, he, he will be faithful to open it up and we can live with that consciousness. That, this is what I'm longing for, that consciousness that I'm a bride right now. I'm moving towards, I'm moving towards that. So what can we do? What can we do? Not much. We can give them our yes. <laughs> you know, if I didn't believe Bob when we moved into that place, if I didn't believe that he really wanted to marry me, there was, then I wouldn't have even thought about it over the next months. It wouldn't have been that. But I believed he, that he meant it. I believe he chose me. And I chose him. I, I believed that. And so it's, it's uh, beginning to dig it out by giving God our yes, by giving Jesus our yes. You've chosen me to be your bride. Um, so I wanted to look at, you know, um, when we give him our yes, um, it's the need to, to know who is it that has set his love on me. Now we know he's the creator. We know all kinds of things about God. Well, was a little bit of my story was I, I, my picture of God was one, because I felt like that I was a less than. I also pictured him as an angry father and that he was just waiting behind the door basically for me to blow it and then, then he's going to come down on me. And uh, I didn't know what he was like. But it, he, be, he began to show me what he was like. In a, in a natural relationship, we have to get to know the person. Otherwise, like, what's the point, right? So I was looking at Psalm 145. And again, we know these things. But I think one of the main things tonight is personalizing. Personalizing what God says. So... In Psalm 145, which the whole thing is like super rich, but I won't read the whole thing, but maybe starting with um, verse 5. It says, On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works I will meditate, and men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness, and they'll shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious 
and merciful. He's slow to anger, and he's great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. We'll just stop there. So I want to just take those for a minute. And um, Okay, so how many people here have gone through the uh, internship at some point in the prayer room? Okay, you did it once. You, do you remember the, the teaching on, med, on biblical meditation some? Okay, so it's um, uh, read it, pray it, oh, sing it. Read it, write it, sing, sing prayer. There you go. I've seen that. Woohoo. Okay, so why do we do that? So looking at verse 8, I'm out in real life. And I've stumbled. And I'm feeling pretty crummy about myself. And I go, man, I've really disappointed the Lord. Just disappointed. I used to stay away for months over these things. Now it's just like, I go, I'm just coming right back. But what if we tell him, speak what he speaks about himself? The Lord is gracious to me. To me. He's gracious. What does that mean? It means he gives gifts. He has gifts and he's going to give them generously. He's gracious. It means that he's, he's not going to um, come down on us in anger. He's gracious to me right here in this place, wherever I'm walking. He's gracious. Maybe we just realized we weren't very gracious with someone. And yet we, in that place, right there, being able to speak, the Lord is gracious to me, right here, and we draw on him. How does that prepare us as a bride? Because we start, we start to know him and what he's like. Because who wants to come to someone who's not gracious? When you're in need, when, when you're broken, when maybe you didn't obey the last thing. If he's not gracious, I don't want to come. But he is gracious. And he's not just gracious to all of you guys. He's gracious to me. And so I can come with confidence. The Lord is merciful. He's compassionate. Like he feels with me. He's like, I get it. My heart's going out to you right now. And so I speak it. This is how it gets in, okay? This is how it gets in. So I'm feeling like, oh man, like he's frustrated with me. And I stop myself because I'm, I'm listening to what I'm saying on my insides. And I stop and I go, no, no, he, he's compassionate. He's feeling with me right now. He gets me. Doesn't it feel good when somebody gets you? They understand like the motivation behind what you just did, even if it was lame. Like when somebody gets us, well, he gets us. And he's compassionate towards us. And so we bring that in, personalizing it. 
He's slow to anger. He does not fly off the cuff. Now, is he going to demonstrate his wrath? In the, you know, and does he demonstrate his wrath? Yes. But it's not like man's wrath that just flies off the hook. It's totally controlled. But his heart gets jealous over things because he doesn't want those he loves to be hurt. He doesn't want anything to get in the way of relationship. So he hates the things that hinder love. He hates those things, and he goes after them with vengeance. But he's slow to anger, and he's great in loving kindness. What's that mean? He's rich in love. Like, we can't, we can't deplete the treasury here. He's rich in love. So we, can, we tell ourselves this. When, when, when that kid is like working our last nerve, that we're serving when whatever is going on and it's like our impatience is starting to rise we can stop right there and go you're rich in love you're rich in love and you're rich in love towards me right now right now and it begins to get in as we say it okay as we read it as we Pray it as we sing it, as we say it, as we write it, it gets written on our heart. Holy Spirit writes it on our heart and we come to know the one who has asked us into this relationship, who's asked us to be his bride. So we start to discover his desires and his plans and his purposes. We get to start to know his heart for us. Um, so one thing, when, when I was a young Christian, um, just struggling, struggling with a lot of stuff, I, I had this great disciple who just, she just loved me. She just, man, she was so full of God. And um, she said, make yourself your first disciple. Make yourself your first disciple. Well, what does that mean? That means that what you would tell somebody else to encourage them, say it to you. Say it to you, and it'll bring you life. Um, so tell yourself about God. What we, what we sing about in here when we get out there, we need to bring it into our day, whatever is happening. We bring into our day, and we tell ourselves about him. And that begins to encourage our hearts. We tell ourselves about our beloved. There's this First uh, Samuel 30, verse 6. says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. And it's good to have each other to encourage one another. And we need that. But I tell you, we have to learn to encourage our own hearts. Nehemiah. You guys know who Nehemiah is? He's a wall builder of Jerusalem. And it says, like, he went, back to, he went back to Jerusalem. Everything was all broken down. He's riding, he's riding around the city on his horse, like, just in secret, just to see how bad it was. And it was horrible. And it says that he consulted within himself. And this is what we need to do, is to consult within ourselves. Wait, what is he like? What is God like towards me? What is he like towards me? And we tell ourselves about him. So to, 
we begin to take hold of the bridal identity. We say what he says about us. I am the one he loves. Now, some years ago, now I've been a Christian since 74, and it was a really long birth. <laughs> it was a long birth canal. That's how I feel. Probably not how the Lord saw it at all. But I also knew the night I got saved, I knew I was called to be his bride. I didn't know, I hadn't heard anything about that, but I, I knew I was called to be his bride. So I was like something alive in me. But it, it, took, some, it, it took a lot of years because there was so much self-hatred, and so much uh, just despising myself. Um, and I had friends that um, started going to conferences and they were coming back talking about being God's favorite and I just kind of rolled my eyes because I could not relate to that I was like I don't think so (laughs) and um, Bob and I started uh, we went to we were going to church on the other side of the hill Castor Valley but we started doing Saturday nights at Blazing Fire. And, and uh, Pastor Brent, uh, would, he was always talking about being God's favorite. But he, talk, but he talked about how to practically come into that, how he came into knowing it. And the way you come into knowing it is by saying it. By saying what God says about us. And I went, hmm. I can do that. So he said, when you get up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, you're God's favorite. And tell other people. Like, you can tell them, I know I'm loved by God. And you are too. You're one of his favorites. So it's going both ways. And it began to change the chemistry of what was inside for me. I actually started to believe that yeah, I was his favorite, I am. Right now, not, not when I get it all right, but right now. Broken me, weak me, with weak love. It gets distracted a lot. It has too much on the plate and things fall off, and, <laughs> you know? But right there, I'm his favorite. And now I believe it. And, the, and yes, there's still times I have to remind myself I'm his favorite. That's part of coming into bridal identity is telling ourselves what he says about us. So we ask him. That's key. Would you show me? He likes that prayer. Would you show me? Would you show me more? So I want to look some in Song of Solomon. We'll go some other places too, but I'm just going to pick some scriptures out. You know, we've been doing this worship with the word on Friday mornings, which is just like a rich, 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 rich Bible study. Yeah, it's, it is just good, and it's good over our hearts, and it's, it opens us up with such good sharing and I believe the Lord's been writing on us. And people in the room are just, they're encountering the Lord. We're going deeper in this together. So I want to just look at some of these things real quickly. Uh, Song of Solomon 2, uh, the bride says, Come kiss me with the kisses of your mouth, with the kisses of your word. When we're talking about the kisses of his mouth. We're talking about what he says. And the thing about kisses is it's, 
it's only one, one other. There's me and there's him. That is it. You know, there's not a lot of people involved in the kiss, okay? It's just me and him. Because that's what a kiss is. It's personal. It's very personal. And so we want to take his word where we, where we hear him speak and to take it and we say it to ourselves. We pray it. We do this thing. Read it. Pray it. Sing it. Say it. And it doesn't rhyme, but write it. If you don't journal, I, you know, you don't have to. But I would suggest it to you because it slows down our thinking. We, we have to, it, it helps us process more because we go slower. Unless you're a really fast writer. So um, we ask him, let me know your affections. And we tell him, you're desirable to me. I've seen a little bit of you, and you're desirable to me. So show me more. And we ask him to draw us. Verse 4 in chapter 1. She says, draw me after you. Let us run together. And you know, we can't do it on our own. This is not by striving. It's he draws our hearts. But we can ask him. When I feel dry, I'm like, would you draw me? When I start feeling like, or when I see myself just distracted, I'm like, Lord, draw me. I need you to draw my heart. I, I want to be centered in on you. I want, I want my eyes to be towards you. I want to be feeling affection for you. It's not all about emotion, but it's about a knowing deep, deep, deep inside that no matter what my emotions are saying, I know where my heart is. So we ask him, draw me. And we give him our yes and we yield to him. Um, verse 5, she says, I'm black but lovely. She's realizing that she is broken. She's sinful. She, there's nothing she can do in herself. John 15. That's, you know, apart from him, we can do nothing. And that's okay. That's okay. Because he calls us to lean in on him. He wants to do it in us. Just us giving our yes. He's drawing us. So we, we agree with him. You know, I used to get in the argument with the devil. You know, you try to justify yourself. And you try to... It's just a, it's just a bad ground. <laughs> it's just a bad ground. You know, when he's coming at us with accusations and whatever, so much better to just say, talk to Jesus. I am under the blood. I'm under his blood and I'm under his love. So we're weak and it's okay. We can agree with God on that. I, used to, I, I, I remember reading like how no one desires him, no, not one. And I was like, oh, but I do. And I wanted to prove to him that I was the one. Well, I finally proved that I wasn't the one, and then he made me the one. Does that make sense? He made me the one, but it was him. It wasn't my strivings. It was him in me. And I'm still being made. Um, and then in verse, verse 6, this is just a journey. I just want to take us through a little bit of the bride's journey. 
She says, um, my mother's sons were angry with me. And she experienced offense in the body of Christ. And if it hasn't happened to you, it will. It will. Because we're broken. All of us. All of us are broken. Someone's going to disappoint us. Someone's going to, you know, hurt our feelings. Someone is. And the Lord would call us to move past that. To press through, forgive, and move past the obstacles. We don't want to stay in that place of offense because all it will do is hinder love. Um, and we want to gather with him. She, the bride says in verse 7, Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where do you pasture your flocks? Where do you make it lie down at noon? For why should I be like one who, who is one of the veiled ones, like where I can't show my face? beside the flocks of your companions. Like, I, I want people to know that I'm yours and I, I don't even know how to find you. And he tells her in verse 8, he says, if you don't know, then go on the trail of the flock and pasture your young goats, those that, that you're discipling, bringing along with you, even though you're not so sure where you're going yourself. Bring them along and camp by the tents of the, tents of the shepherds. Like, be around people who love Jesus. Just have fellowship. Stay in fellowship. It's part of being the bride. And yes, sometimes we'll get hurt. Sometimes we'll be disappointed. Sometimes we'll want time with someone and we don't get that time. Sometimes we want that person to be our special friend. They end up not being our special friend. It's okay. The Lord says, I'm your special friend. And then he, he calls us into obedience. But obedience that's not earning anything. Obedience that flows from love. It's, so it's a love-based obedience. And it, he's good, he's, he brings us into that place to just honor him as our beloved. So if you think like you're in a relationship, like you want to honor the other person. You want to give them honor. And you, you want them to be lifted up. And, and that's how it is with the Lord. And these are things we know. And yet we find, can find ourselves performance-driven. I didn't do enough. I have to do more. Oh, what can I do to, to make it so I feel your presence again? And he's like, no, just come. Just come. It's not by you doing the right thing. Just come. Just come. Um, pro, uh, Psalm 37.4 says, Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Just dwell here. Just dwell right here. Dwell with God and cultivate faithfulness. And when you find you're not faithful, just get back up. But there's promises. Um, one from, that we're transformed from glory to glory. Each time we see him, it marks us. And he also says, if you love me, keep, you will keep my commandments. Now that can kind of sound like if you don't know where he's coming from, it's like, you know, can kind of sound like, well, geez, you know, if you love me, you'll do what I say, do what I tell you. But it, really, it's if you love me, then you'll want to obey. If you love me, you'll want to keep my commandments. And he gives the promise, my father will love him. Now, the father loves everybody. 
But there's a specialness when we obey, when we obey what Jesus tells us. There's a specialness, and the Father says, I will love you. And Jesus says, I will love you too. And then I will disclose myself to you. Now that's a really huge promise. I'm like, I'm banking on that. I'm banking on that. Then he said, this is from John 14, 21. And then verse 23 says, um, that, if you, that if you love me and you obey me, we'll come to him and we'll make our abode with you. Like, we'll come live with you. And I'm like, I'm in on that. Okay, I'm in on that. His heart is moved by our obedience. She did with that guy at camp. Like you obeyed the Lord. Jordan, you, you obeyed the Lord and you went as a support. Danny, you took the 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, it moves his heart. Whatever the thing is, it moves his heart. You know, one cup of water, what he says, like if you give a cup of cold water in my name, I'm going to remember that for eternity because it so moves me that you would serve out of love for me. You would just serve out of love for me. Like, I'll remember that. Didn't earn anything, but it moves his heart. He goes, that was special to me. I'll always remember it. I'll always remember that time you obeyed. And each obedience of our love is like a strand of that fine linen garment that talked about the bride being clothed in, the fine linen garment. Each time we obey, it's like a little bit more of that garment coming together. Um, gazing at him, um, Song of Solomon 1.12, she's... She says, while the king was at his table, my perfume gave forth its fragrance. She's spending that time in worship. When we gaze at him in here, you know, that fragrance goes up and it doesn't stop at the ceiling. It, it, it stops at the throne room. That we can sing a song in here that, that moves his heart is amazing. So we, we worship him. The deal is that we proclaim his excellencies. And let's bring this back. 1 Peter 2.9 um, talks about proclaiming his excellencies. So we say what he says about himself. And this is going to be the, the main part here. We say what he says about himself. But it doesn't feel like he was being good. Well, then I disciple myself. I speak to me. And I say, oh, but he is good. Trust him. Just trust him. Wait it out. Trust him. You'll see. He's good. I proclaim his excellencies. Before I can proclaim it with power to other people, I need to proclaim it to me. I need to be able to, to stand in the midst of my circumstances and say it to me. And to not accept accusations against his character. Like, well, he doesn't, you know, He's just frustrated with you. He's just frustrated with me. He's not good. He hasn't been good to me. He hasn't kept his promise. He hasn't. You know, we can get on a rant. But it's catching those thoughts. This is where the warfare is. It's our thoughts. And it forms the heart of the bride as we say what he says. So we proclaim his excellencies to ourselves. 
we bring our life, our life paradigm in line with the bridal paradigm. So we say, I am who you say I am, and you are who you say you are. There's a song that says that, right? But we need to bring it into where we live. We, we bring it right into where we live. What, whatever the circumstances, no matter how hard they are, you are who you say you are. And I am who you say I am. I'm precious to you in this place, in these circumstances, in the midst of these emotions. Like, my emotions maybe feel bad. I went through, usually I'm pretty steady, but I used to be like, roller super roller coaster but I found a couple months in hitting a place of like maybe exhaustion I don't know um but my feelings were really down and I was like I wasn't used to that anymore but in the midst of that speaking to me proclaiming to myself in the midst of these emotions right here I am loved by God in these pressures while I'm taking the SAT in these pressures, these guys had their SATs, did they? In these pressures, in, in these circumstances, what, whatever it is, I am your beloved. You see me. God sees us. But you know, if we, sometimes if, sometimes we just forget. You know, I think about my my engagement time with Bob, I, there was not a day that I forgot that that guy saw me. I go, Lord, would you adjust my heart to know that you see me. You love me. You know me. I sing this sometimes. I get on a thing in some of my devos. You see me. You love me. You chose me. Right here, I am yours. I'm your beloved one. You know, John the disciple, when you read through the book of John, I love it. How he'll say the disciple that Jesus loved. <laughs> and you know he's talking about himself, right? But do you see how he, he, he said it to himself, like he took the word in. He took it in. Um, real quick, Isaiah 62. This is just like... A lot of you have probably heard me share this before, but I went through a time some years back before I was in the prayer room, which I've been here about 15 years. Um, the Lord took me through a time, and he t one morning I, I came to pray, and I just heard Isaiah 62. Pray it, personalize it. It's like, okay. So I go, for Karen's sake, I will not keep silent. For Karen's sake, I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like the brightness, her salvation like a torch that is burning. And I went on a little bit. You'll be, also be a crown. I will be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. I'm starting to weep while I'm doing this. And a royal diadem in the hand of my God. It will no longer be said to me, forsaken, nor will it be said to my land any longer, desolate. But I will be called, my delight is in her. And my land married, for the Lord delights in me. And to him 
I will be married. By the time I finished praying through that, I was just weeping like a baby. I was weeping like a baby, but I had no idea why. And the next day I came to pray, and he said, Isaiah 62, pray it and personalize it. I go, okay. So I started praying it again. Oh, weeping again. This went on probably for two months at least. Every day I would come just weeping and weeping, reading through this, personalizing it. And then one day it dawns on me. I'm like, oh my gosh, you changed my core. You changed what I believe about me, what I couldn't do myself. You did this. You did this. I didn't hate me anymore. I didn't want to cut anymore. I didn't want to self-destruct anymore. Because he changed my core. Like born again is really born again. It's a long birth. (laughs) That was astounding to me. It's one of the most precious places in scripture for me because it was such a huge deliverance. Things I couldn't change. I would beg God. I would beg him. I was like, I can try to be obedient, but I can't change this. And he came. He came as part of being the bride preparing. Because if the bride doesn't believe she's loved, how can she continue? That doesn't mean if we don't have it right now, we can't continue. But it means we want to be on this journey. We want to be on this journey. Um, We can't fully love till we know we're loved. You know, it doesn't mean we can't love at all. Our love's just weak. But a lot of times within our own love will be this thing of jealousy because someone's loved maybe more than we think we are, or comparison, or there's different things that, you know, get in there that can can make us um, not, it's like, so we're not receiving love the way God gives it, so then we have a hard time giving it away. We can to a point, but there's a change that happens as we get hold of his love. So Song of Solomon 2.1, uh, the bride says, I am the rose. I am the rose. <laughs> That's how you say it. I am. I am the rose. I'm the lily. I'm the one that loves you. And it starts to get in. Again, we say these things to ourselves. And then we can say them to others. You are the one. No, you love him. You do. You do. You love him. You love him. You move his heart. You so move his heart. You're the one. You're the rose. And then she says, I'm the lily. I'm the one who obeys you. I'm the one who's setting my heart to obey. It doesn't mean I get it perfect. But I'm the one setting my heart to obey. I'm the lily. 
um, verse three. Now we've been we've been in verses two through seven. I don't know, two months. Okay, there we are. Got one more week on it. So verse verse three, she says, "Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men." In his shade, I took great delight, and I sat down, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. So she sees him as like better than all, and the only source of, the, of what she needs, the only true sweetness. Like you're in the redwoods, and you're starving. You're not going to like get a pine cone. <laughs> well, you might. <laughs> but you see an apple tree in the midst of the forest, and you go, cool, that's it. You take the apple, and you're like, oh, I'm refreshed. I'm refreshed. So he's like an apple tree among the trees of the forest. There's no one like him. He's the only one. This is my beloved among the young men. There's a lot of other choices, but he's my choice. And then she says, in his shade I took great delight. Talking about the shade of the cross and this is something for the bride in that preparation is learning to come quickly under the shade of the cross and rest rather than wrestle with our hearts rather than wrestle with trying to get ourselves right you ever do that like you try to get yourself right so you feel right because then then you'll come to god and he's like no just come rest under the cross. Already done. Already done. Just come under the cross. When we do that, it conquers shame. It conquers accusation. And it conquers condemnation. Coming at us and going towards other people from us. So this works both ways. Just resting in the work of the cross and then partaking of his fruit, his nature. His nature. And she talks about um, that he brought me to the banquet hall. I didn't get there on my own. He brought me. He brought me in to the banquet hall and his banner over me was love. Like he, he set his banner up and said, she's the one. This is the one I love. This is the one I love. That takes off shame from us. But how do we connect with that where we live? It's by speaking it to ourselves. You set your banner over me. You're right now, you're proclaiming your love over me. And your own voice goes inside, but I just blew it. Or I just had horrible thoughts about that person. Or I just, you know, I just said some yucky stuff. Whatever. We go, Right here, I'm the one he loves. Right here, I'm the one he loves. I come under his cross. I come under his shade and he shields me. But I feel rejected by all those people. Ah, I'm coming under the cross. I'm not getting it all right. Coming under the cross. We come under and we learn his heart and shame and accusation and condemnation. Just get washed off. We don't have to carry him. I walked under those for so many years, and it's so, oh, 
it's so good to be free of the, the heaviness of the weight of me. I'm so glad that I died with him on the cross. Because the weight of me is too much. But he took the weight of me. And he gave me him. And he gave me a new me, right? And then she's partaking of his fruit. And uh, yesterday as we were looking at this, um, I was thinking of Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. Let's turn there real quick. Almost done. 5.22. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so I was thinking... We're partaking of his fruit, and I do that, and we can do that. I am lacking in this fruit, Lord. I'm partaking right now of your patience. Right, Jordan? Right. Yes. Patience. I'm partaking of your patience right now. It doesn't come from me. I'm partaking of yours. Express yourself through me. But then the Lord kind of did this little turn, and he was like... And how I was seeing that scripture. And he was like, this is my heart. Before this is ever your heart. And as you know, this is my heart towards you. Then it's more expressed in you. So you partake of that for yourself. Because it's my heart. I love you. And we speak it to ourselves, as well as hearing him speak it. Yes, I am loved. You take joy in me. I'm at peace with God. You've got this. You've got me. Nothing can take me out of your hands. Nothing can separate me from your love. You're patient with me. Ooh. You're patient with me. God, I got it wrong 25 times in a row. You're patient with me. He's patient. He's kind. He is a kind God. He's good. All of his thoughts towards me are good. Like he doesn't have to readjust. (laughs) I have to readjust. He doesn't ever have to readjust. He's good. He's good, always good, always wanting good for me. He's faithful. If he said it, he's going to do it. 